If you're still deciding on your spring break getaway, Amtrak's got just the ticket. You can visit cities from D.C. and Philly to New York and Boston, all while enjoying more sustainable travel. Amtrak produces up to 83% less carbon emissions than traveling by car or plane. And did we mention the extra legroom and comfy seats? Book early and save at Amtrak.com. Click or tap the banner. Emissions comparisons vary depending on route and locomotive type. Restrictions may apply. This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. First, the bad news. SAP Business AI won't help you generate Cubist versions of your family's holiday photos. But it will help you understand which supplier is best to help you roll out your plant-based packaging in Southeast Asia. Or identify the training your junior project manager needs to rise up the ranks. And automate repetitive tasks while you focus on big innovations. So you can be ready for the next opportunity. Revolutionary technology. Real-world results. That's SAP Business AI. Like, I get why the rule is there, but it's literally, as they say, adding insult to injury. Have you heard of him? Because I had not. If Josh hasn't heard of him, why would I have heard of him? Now, let's get... Which means he valued Darno alone over Dickie. (laughs) So... Oops. And welcome to episode number 277 of Artificial Turf Wars, where we accidentally traded away our tagline for cash considerations. I'm your host, Greg Wisniewski, and I am joined by the, um, hmm, disappointed, (laughs) disappointed Joshua Housem. Josh, tell me more. Yeah, I mean, I think that's accurate. Um, you know, we'll we'll get into why with the specifics, but uh, the trade deadline has come and gone, and um, not what we'd hope for. Yeah, so the Blue Jays, uh, as a brief rundown for what what's coming up, is we're we're going to talk about DeYoung, uh, the shortstop who is meant to replace the probably well the injured, but we don't know exactly how long he's going to be out, Bo Bichette. And the trade for Jordan Hicks, the fireballing reliever who is a replacement for the injured, but we don't 100% know how long he's going to be out, Jordan Romano. And that was it. Uh, we do have a little follow-up with uh, your questions about this trade deadline as well. Uh, but this is sort of a special episode. It's only been a few days since our last recording. This is the aftermath, Josh, of uh, a trade deadline that... Um, I- I'm not letting the Blue Jays off the hook with this, but was 
pretty underwhelming considering some of the trade deadlines I've remembered in the past few years. Yeah, I mean, it's so they got uh, Hannes Cabrera you know, a week ago or, or 10 days ago or whatever it was. So we talked about in the last episode. And then they kind of shocked. So Jordan Romano got hurt, right? He went on the IL with his back injury. Yep. And they and immediately you, traded for Jordan Hicks. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and when you lose a Jordan, the easiest replacement is a, is a Jordan. It's the simple math of baseball. Yeah, uh, exactly. Yeah. That's what I would do. But they can't have three active Jordans at the same time because they've they've DFA'd <laughs> Jordan Luplo. So, <laughs> which we're going to talk probably about why was he here in the first place? Um, yeah, but, but yeah. anyway, so like that was a big move. Hicks was arguably the best. Well, he was the best reliever moved. There yeah, were a couple other good ones. I mean, you know, Paul Seawald might be better than Hicks, but it's pretty close. Yeah. So let's dig into Hicks a little bit. Um, obviously, everybody knows he throws harder than anybody else in baseball right now he he's thrown as hard as 104 miles an hour that's sort of his brand uh but obviously throwing hard isn't everything um i've heard josh he might not have perfect control of that fastball no he does not um (laughs) (laughs) his walks have been better lately like the the command has been better lately so it's it's a little encouraging in that facet but it's yeah, it's not, he's not what, so the Jays as a whole, as their bullpen, they have one of the best command, their, their relievers as a whole have, have one of the lowest walk rates in baseball. So he's going to be a little bit of a surprise to Blue Jays fans <laughs> given what they've been seeing. He does not have good command. And it's, it's not just it's command, right? So um, Matthew Trueblood was talking about how one of two things will happen to Hicks. One of three things. One, he'll pitch well. Two, he will just completely lose the strike zone for a little bit. Three, he'll just randomly start throwing everything down the middle for a little bit. <laughs> and you don't know when any of those three <laughs> things is going to happen, but two and three are more likely in pressure. This is what his report was. That's take it or leave it. But he's, you know, we've talked about him before. He's a baseball prospectus guy. But uh, that's that we could be in for some interesting experience with Jordan Hicks. But at the same time, he throws really, really hard. He gets a ton of ground balls. And he's been striking people out for the first time in his career. Which is ironic for a guy who, again, throws harder than anybody else in baseball. You would think the strikeout would come naturally. But um, maybe the ball's a little bit straighter than, than some guys who throw, you know, 98 with hard sink or with a, a, a great cutter or something else. Um, it, it, it's okay sometimes to make that mistake down the middle at 99 or 100 miles an hour though right as opposed to a guy you bring in who might be throwing 94 95 and uh and find himself wandering into the middle of the the hot zone for hitters yeah and actually he does throw a pretty nasty sinker so his ball does move a lot (laughs) sinker but uh he's just uh, he's short he doesn't have great extension or like elite spin rates or anything like that so but he doesn't give up a lot of home runs as you said because you can get away with a lot when you throw that hard He's a good reliever, I and mean, he's a back end of the bullpen reliever who can go multiple innings if necessary. He started eight times last year, so I think he's going to be a really useful piece. And so, so I was saying, like when they get Jordan Hicks, it's like okay, the Jays are pushing in, and then um, not so much. <laughs> uh, the other funny part is like, is St. Louis the only team really offering up any kind of reasonable, reasonable packages? 
for their players because the Blue Jays went back <laughs> to the well. Bo Bichette pulled up between first and second last night if you were on in a, un, the, under a rock inside a cave. Uh, and between first and second, not only did he apparently uh, do something horrible to his right knee, it looked like his right knee to me. Uh, it was his right knee, that's correct, yeah. yeah. He got tagged out <laughs> in the process. Yeah. That's not, I feel like that's not fair. Like, I get why the rule is there, but it, it's literally, as they say, adding insult to injury. Yeah, it's, uh, it was, I mean, that was, yeah, it sucked they got tagged out for sure. But that was, <laughs> of all the guys that they can't afford to lose, he's at the top of the list. Yeah. He's their only viable shortstop. Like if you, you know, like Vlad is Vlad, but if they lost Vlad, they could put Belt at first base, right? And it would just yeah. be, you know. But Bo has been their best hitter all season, and yeah, so it was a scary thing seeing a guy, you know, come to a sudden stop and then not be able to move essentially and just get tagged out in the middle of the diamond. Uh, but the reports, thankfully, were. A little better. There's no, no no severe structural damage, and there's some knee inflammation of the patella tendon. I mean, obviously, there's going to be some structural damage because he's a baseball player. It's impossible for there to be none, but it's the best support they could hope for, really. Yeah. Well, I mean, when you see stuff like that, you're wondering, oh, uh, do, do the words torn and ACL or meniscus suddenly show up? Right. We we've seen out of nowhere leg injuries that wipe a guy's season out completely after the MRI. And that doesn't appear to be the case here. So that is the, it's the best news you can get when a guy is obviously in physical pain on the field and you can see the moment at which the injury happened. Yeah. So we just covered themselves anyway. Yeah. They go back to St. Louis and they're like, Hey, we heard you're shopping your shortstop as well. Uh, DeYoung was the full-time shortstop. Came on the scene with a bang. I read this the article today, and then has really faded over the the past few years. Uh, this year's been kind of a renaissance. He he kind of earned his way back to nearly league average hitting and uh, and an everyday shortstop position. But of course, St. Louis isn't in contention for anything, so they're they're trying to reload. And Tommy Edmonds also injured, uh, so that's part of why he got that shortstop job back. But so Paul DeYoung is a great defensive shortstop. Full stop. He's one of the best defensive shortstops in the league. But as you said, he hasn't hit much the last few years and he hasn't really hit much in his career. He he's had he's shown some power, especially back when everybody showed power <laughs> when, mm. you know, he, with the Super Bowls. He does have 13 home runs this year, though, which would place him I don't know, fifth in the Blue Jays or something. You know, he, he throws he, he can he can hit the ball over the fence and. This year, he's hitting lefties really well. He's never done that in his career before. He's always been a reverse platoon split guy, so I'm not really sure what that means. But as a guy to be your fill-in shortstop and come off the bench when he's not, when Bo is back, you could do worse. Yeah. And then, I guess, the real problem. Well, that's like, we should it. probably talk about the returns on these trades. Which we, oh, <laughs> since, yeah. Since yeah. <laughs> well, of course, all minor leaguers, right? Um, because the, the Blue Jays in a position where every man on the, the major league roster, I think, is a, is a piece that they are planning on using some way or another. Um, what do we know about the two starters who went? Uh, <clears throat> it was the two starters for Hicks, right? Kloffenstein yeah. and uh, Robertson? Yeah, so 
Yeah, that, that was actually, it was not a, an insignificant return. It's, it's Roberta, by the way, but, uh, Sorry. yeah, he, he's the Dutch pitcher. He, so Roberta and Klaffenstein are kind of, they got to where they are from different ways. Um, Roberta was taken, was signed out of the Netherlands as a, as a pitchability guy who, you know, he, he will, he was very polished coming through the system he started to gain a little bit more velocity and a little more stuff he's so far he still profiles as sort of a back-end starting pitcher uh Klaffenstein is he he was a guy who was a high big bonus baby at a high school who was thought he could throw 100 um he had he hit 100 in the sh- with the sugarland skeeters during covid but it's uh, it's gone I, I don't know what happened but <laughs> he's he sits in the low 90s now and will touch 94 95 good sinker good cutter He's having a really good year for New Hampshire, or I'd just say he was because he's no longer on New Hampshire. But uh, yeah, I mean, both these guys look like they could have been useful, cheap depth starters next year. Um, that that would have been with their value to the Jays. I don't think they'd be guys who would be pushing for a rotation spot, and that's what they're going to be for the Cardinals, or or maybe they'll pitch you know the Cardinals depending on what they do. But so it, it's a valuable return, but I think it's one that was something the Jays could handle giving up. Yeah, I, I find there are always uh, projects to be a back end of the rotation starter. And that can mean gets a shot at the show and spends a season or two bouncing back and forth. Uh, or it can mean also, if they're still in double A, which was, is the case, never actually gets there, right? It ends up topping out in triple A because the need and the ability uh, and, you know, all of the other stars never do align. Like, th- there, aren't, there aren't that many available rotation slots in baseball. Uh, <clears throat> so, I, we've got a question about this later, uh, but I'm not, it's easy to not be broken up about someone you haven't seen. But was Klaffenstein an actual, was he a first round pick? Because I remember the name from the draft. No, so Jordan Groshans was their first round pick. And Klaffenstein was the third round pick, but they gave him three million bucks. Right. So he fell for signability reasons. It wasn't he was a guy who was projected to be in the first or second round. Cool. Uh, trade number two. Who, yeah. Who, so it was Paul DeYoung was traded for cash. <laughs> the the Cardinals are paying half his remaining salary and the buyouts of his two options, which tells you all you know need to know about whether the Jays plan to keep DeYoung after this year, <laughs> despite him having two team options. <laughs> and uh, and Matt Swanson, <laughs> have you heard of him? Because I had not. If and Josh have... hasn't heard of Matt, why would I have heard of him? Now let's get let's get a hundred percent serious here. No, you I, have not I, I mean, I, I, yeah. I, I actually, I'm, I'm lying. I'd sort of read about him very briefly when he got called up to to Dunedin, but uh, or sorry, to Vancouver. But uh, he's a reliever in the minors. Uh, he had actually just been promoted to New Hampshire, but never pitched there because he got traded. He was switched full time to the bullpen this year, throwing a bit harder. He's having a really good year in the low minors, but he's a 24 year old relief pitcher. Um, you know. Who cares? <laughs> it's kind of, I mean, I'm not to dismiss the guy. I mean, he's a he's a professional baseball player. It's more than I ever did. So, but it's not something that Jay should be upset about leaving, even if he makes it. If he becomes a major league relief pitcher, it's okay. He's a reliever. 
Yeah, I, I think you're looking at that the old difference between the lottery ticket, you know, the the 18-year-old who can't find the plate but throws, you know, 98 miles an hour versus 24 and already established as 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 a reliever is his ceiling. Two two sort of very different things to worry about, I guess, if you're if you're big into prospects or you're worried about the farm system. Um that's I mean, the farm system exists so that you have something to trade away that you don't instantly have to give up, uh, you know, Zach Pop or Eric Swanson while you're trying to to do something else on the diamond. So, yeah, you're going to have to give something up. Uh, and there's just a long list of names down there, although it is a lot shorter than it used to be when they contracted the miners. That's true. Uh, so not that much lightning of the load. Uh, rare that the Jays get cash in a deal in recent history. Yeah, it's a little surprising. Um, it does help. The Jays are a tax team for the first time, so this does help mitigate that. Uh, I, I'm not sure if they've quite pushed over the second threshold, but they were really close to it, so this might have kept them below that. Not that that makes a huge difference. It just It's only a penalty on the overage beyond that level, so it's not, not, millions it's not of a dollars. big deal. Yeah, so... I'm not entirely sure. I think it was more just about the Cardinals wanted to save the remaining money on DeYoung's deal, and they were able to get half of it off their books, so they gave him the Jays. If it works and fills the uh, immediate need that the Jays have, and and again, I, the Jays might not have that need in two weeks if Boba Shet's healthy. Uh, I I think it's a, a you know a, an opportunity trade completely, and it was even admitted to by I, I believe uh, Atkins. He did. A, I think it was Atkins did the media availability. Yep. Yeah, saying essentially, hey, we weren't we weren't thinking about DeYoung until Bo got hurt. Well, they were, but they pulled the trigger when Bo got hurt. Uh, yeah. They, you know, it doesn't happen that fast if you weren't already talking about it because the Jays did need to upgrade on Santiago Espinal uh, for the bench shortstop because yes. Espinal has been terrible and DeYoung is an upgrade on Espinal. So I think that trade might have happened anyway, but definitely happened because of Bo. And then... The trades that did not happen, Josh. Yeah. The Jays still don't have a right-handed bench bat. I don't, Paul DeYoung doesn't count. I'm sorry. He's, he's, he's not that. There was a lot of buzz compared to what I've normally heard about uh, Teoscar Hernandez. There was even a in, in deep within talks or, or to the front of the line to land Teoscar Hernandez. Uh, the irony, I guess, being that Teoscar Hernandez didn't go anywhere. He's still a Mariner. Yeah, it, so, uh, it sounds like from you know leaked rumors, so take them with a grain of salt, that the Mariners pulled him back at the end. They decided to, they didn't want to give up, which I don't entirely buy things like that because, I mean, what, they decided this this morning? I mean, they haven't played a game since they made this decision, so... Uh, there's an element that's been out there of the Jays didn't trade, weren't willing to pay the prices for Tommy Pham, who went for a 17-year-old lottery ticket, or Jake Berger, who went for actually a good pitching prospect. So I can understand them not being willing to do that one. But you know, this is a this would be a, an easier thing to forgive if when they didn't do it in the off season, everyone knew this team needed a right-handed bat on the bench. It's been it was said. Since December, since they made the Varsho trade, it's like, okay, now we need a right-handed bat. Didn't appear. Oh, well, you know, you and then, of course, you get people saying, oh, you can add it to the deadline. Well, obviously, it's been a problem for the four months ahead of time, but okay, we're at the deadline. Still didn't get the right-handed bat. 
it's a problem. And the biggest thing that why it becomes a problem, especially is because we just saw how this can go south really fast when Bobichet got injured. What happens if Kiermaier gets injured or Springer gets injured, which, you know, as we said at the time, not out of the realm of possibility given their track records. Who goes in? Does does Espinal become an everyday player? Does Kevin Biggio become an everyday player? Is it like reaching down for Addison Barger or Davis Schneider or something? And I just think that they didn't cover themselves and they and and that's a problem. Obviously, they could call up Schneider and have him be the righty bat against left-handed pitching, but it's still you're counting on a rookie making the jump from AAA to the majors in a pennant race. So it's it's not great. Well, the, the Blue Jays have not really used the bench that they've had even to see if it was going to work. It's the other part that has become... Um, become magnified over the last couple of weeks, right? Uh, you, you mentioned uh, uh, Laplau. We have Otto Lopez, who is now on the 60-day IL. I think yeah. they call, called him up, put him on, on the, the IL. And uh, it, it's not like when they've had a righty on the bench, they've even tried starting him. We were watching Santiago Espinal. <laughs> starting right before the deadline as though he was being shopped around as a, as a possible trade candidate. Um, yeah, it was, uh, it was just really weird. I don't, why was he there? I, I still understand. Like if you didn't trust Luplo to be your fourth, your, your right-handed bench option, why was he on the roster? The Jays have been doing this all season, basically running a 24 man roster, not using the last, well, 25 since, since the catchers came back. But yeah, a 25-man roster when they have 26. And they're doing it again, right? They didn't, you know, mm-hmm. Ernie Clement is up for now because De Young's not here yet. But as soon as, as soon as he is, De Young will go step in. And if Bo goes on the IL, who knows? But once Bo is back, it's going to be Espinal and Biggio, but there's no excuse for either of them to ever play. So I just, I don't really understand it. It'd be much better off to me to call up a Davis Schneider or, you know, and okay, keep one of Espinal or Biggio for u- utility purposes, but then call up Davis Schneider to be a bat, someone who can actually add value at the end of the bench, because right now those guys aren't doing it. Espinal's well, yeah. if, if go-ahead if, homer against the Angels notwithstanding. Yeah, if Whit Merrifield is your everyday second baseman, because you aren't benching Springer or Varsho, which Springer's, Springer's absolute god-awful performance notwithstanding... <laughs> Yeah. Uh like could could you do worse right now by bringing up someone from AAA and giving him three or four starts just to see maybe you you find out he's performing at an average major league level which again this is not this is not hating on them but neither George Springer or Dalton Varsho is really doing at the moment. Yeah, well, I think the Jays have just decided that they're they're sticking with the guys that bring them in that sense. Those guys are going to be the everyday players going forward. Well, maybe not against a left-handed pitcher. They might put De Young or Espinal at second base once Bobichet's back and put Merrifield in left. But yeah, Springer is going to be an everyday player. As he, I mean, he's got the track record to say he should. Varsho doesn't, oddly enough, which is another reason they needed another bat because Varsho has been awful. So Springer's been bad. Varsho's been worse, and. 
he has the track record of being a much better hitter than this, but it's not like he was George Springer. Yeah. So, you know, just sticking through it, it's almost like they just said, okay, we're just going to go pitching and defense and try to win that way, which has not not worked. I mean, they were in a postseason spot only because of those two things, but it hasn't worked great. Well, I mean, if we're finished discussing the moves, I, th- I think philosophically we should probably discuss where this team is at before we move to questions. Sure. This is a team of pitching and defense, which I could buy into because it's been really good to pitching all around with a philosophy that, and, and a crew that has worked and is healthy and is still going in August with, with very few hiccups, which is amazing. Except for one thing. They have, I believe, the only time they've won a series against an AL East opponent was against the Yankees in April. Could be wrong. They won a series against the Rays, too. Okay. In April. In April. So they have gone through the bulk of the season literally unable to compete with that formula against the teams that they absolutely know they're going to run into in the playoffs somewhere. How does that how does that ever work out in the Blue Jays' favor? Well, I mean, the games, if you look at the games, right, they've all been extremely close. It's not like those teams are you know, just bodying the Blue Jays. No, that's what the, the Red Sox job won... is. Yeah. <laughs> the Jays probably should have won four or five games against the Red Sox and Rays. Or sorry, Red Sox and uh, Orioles. But they've won one. And actually, you could say they should have won six or seven, but they've won one. And theoretically, that matters, but also it doesn't when you get to the postseason. You're not, Alec Manoa is not going to be making any starts. Chris Bassett might not even make a start. I don't. I don't know what they would do with their with their with their rotation there. But you can win a playoff game a lot easier than you can win series. So it doesn't mean a ton to me. But they do need to do it. If they, to me, it's just about if they don't, if they keep losing to the AL East, they won't get in the postseason. Yeah, also true because because as as much as the Blue Jays have one of the best records in baseball over the past, I think it's like fifty or fifty five games or whatever. If you look, they're they're a top one or two team in baseball, again, because the schedule has favored them with opponents from other divisions folding up like lawn chairs when faced with the Blue Jays pitching, which is great. I, I, I guess for me, it's like, do, do the AL East opponents have a better book on Blue Jays pitchers in general than, uh, or on Blue Jays hitters who seem to squeak through and find a way to win once in a while against other other divisional opponents because they play them more often or is this all just noise i think it's noise to be honest i mean i can't discount what you're saying as being a thing but the jays it's the same old story though i mean in game one of this Orioles series they what one for 12 with runners in scoring position mm-hmm. it's not that the teams are beating the blue jays so much as the blue jays are just not getting hits when it matters, despite them being able to get hits when it doesn't. That doesn't seem like a process thing to me. It just seems freaking fluky. Which is why I would love to go back to a team that's just trying to hit dingers. Yes, that would be nice. <laughs> Where is Dale Murphy? It's, it, it's, like the, it's like that Simon Garfunkel song. Where have you gone, Dale Murphy? 
Um, we, <laughs> our nation turns its lonely eyes to you. Um, yeah, just... I, I, I yearn for the Danny Jansen method of... <laughs> I'm just going to pull the ball and see what happens. Because as we record this, he hit another home run tonight. I'm going to guess it wasn't to the opposite field. No. <laughs> Left center, though. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. That's fine. <laughs> yeah, but he just pulls the ball in the air, and it's great. Yeah, and it leaves the ballpark fairly often. Um, I'm 100% in on someone else trying that who has power in, uh, in the Blue Jays lineup. Or maybe a couple of guys. <laughs> yeah, it would be nice if they all just started trying to pull the ball over the fence. <laughs> you know, it would be really, really great. I mean, you could argue Belt's they home could... run was the opposite field, though, which is interesting. Yeah, they, could they score any less runs than they're scoring right now? They, I know they're probably an average run scoring team. It's it's the in scoring position problem. All right, any other thoughts on the state of this team as it goes into the last eight weeks of the season? Ooh, um, uh, I don't really know what to think about that because, you know, the hitting, it should be better, right? Like, I don't, I don't get why it's not. Why is George Springer have an OPS under 700? Why is Varsho at 630? Why is Vlad under 800? It's just, I, I, they should be better. The pitching, I think... The reinforcements will help in the bullpen. I'm curious to see how this seven man, six man rotation is going to go, though, because they'll be down a reliever, and they've been using their relievers a lot. Yeah, we'll have to see um, what what the answer is for the approach, but uh, it'll it'll shake out in the next 17 days because they are or now 15 days. They're they're sorry, Gunnar Henderson just hit another home run because obviously. Um, yeah, well, okay, you want to you just brought that up. So I don't know what the hell that was they were doing there. Why did Ryu come back out for the sixth? No, okay, we, we yeah. I was gonna let just let this go and just rant about it on Twitter, but <laughs> you got five innings out of Gunner of Gunner of out of Hyunjin Ryu in his return with a three three ball game against your first place team in your division who you can't beat. Why the hell are you sending him back out there with a almost fully rested bullpen? Only Pearson and the sent down, uh, I can never remember his name, but anyway, <laughs> reliever who's, who was sent down, or, or didn't pitch or pitch yesterday. So why, why did they do that? I, uh, it's like they give away games with stupid things, whether it's on the field or from the dugout. It, it has, there has been accusations of perhaps some strategic uh, beats being missed, to say the very least. And on that note, we're going to see if you, the listener, is thinking the same thing. We're going to come back in a couple seconds, and we got a couple of questions from you guys. And we're back, full of appreciation for you, our loyal listener. I wonder what a disloyal listener looks like, actually. I've never really thought about that. Uh, regardless... Questions. Do they listen? From... Is, that, is that oxymoronic? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I'm a listener, but I don't. I don't. What? Uh, for those of you who listen, sometimes uh, you like to ask us questions. Time now to hear from our listeners. That just seems silly. Here are the rules. First, I ask a question, then you ask a question. 
Now, how does that sound, sweetheart? Could you repeat the question, please? Yes, we have one to our Discord. You can get access to our Discord uh, for the Artificial Turf Wars podcast by going to www.patreon.com slash turfpod and, uh, and signing up as a member. Uh, that will get you access uh, where you can ask us questions anytime. Uh, we have one from Elle at uh, Ellie Ellie Hart who could not bring herself to go on the app that doesn't have a real name anymore um, that we used to call Twitter and asks us this very interesting question. Where on the spectrum from holding on to prospects like grim death to all in empty the cupboards zero retirement plan do you fall for trade deadline philosophy i love those two extremes oh greg you uh, want to go first i am an empty the cupboards fellow i really am um i think perhaps it's been a decade since i looked at someone the blue jays gave up and i went oh if only they had that guy things would have been so much better um you know, looking for him on another team to be incredibly successful. I, I think the one that killed me, the last one that killed me was R.A. Dickey for Noah Syndergaard and Travis Darnot. That for me was like, I get why, why R.A. Dickey was a valuable member of this team, but I feel like you could have, you could have got the same amount of value out of Syndergaard and, um, and Darnot. I don't know about you, but other well, than that, also, I the, don't one, care. the one that killed me was that Syndergaard was a throw in for the cash. Yeah. Well, sort of, because Alderson came out and said that he offered um, he offered some he got some prospects. Oh, I can't remember what it was. Basically, it's like he would have taken just uh, oh yeah, it was he turned down prospects or he oh, let's start again. Sorry, I just really screwed this up. He offered Dickey to the Rangers for some prospects. Then after the Jays trade, the Rangers offered those same prospects for just Darno, and Alderson turned it down. Which means he valued Darno alone over Dickey. <laughs> so, oops. But anyway, back to the original question. I'm not in the like empty the cupboards necessarily thing. I'm. I, I think that you do need to hold back some players. You need you need to replenish through the farm system at some point because otherwise you won't be able to afford anybody. You can't just be the Jays aren't the Yankees or the Mets. They can't have a roster full of guys making $10 million or, or 30, right? They need some guys making 700,000. So, but I am in the, if the guy's not in the camp of, if the guy's not like oh, an imminent great, yeah, or, or whatever. It's like, if he's not Anderson Barger, right? <clears throat> if he's not Ricky Tiedemann, if he's not Robles Martinez, you know, I'm fine to trade Sam Robresta and Adam Klofenstein any day of the week. <laughs> if you get something right yeah yeah if you get something good right it's not about i'm not going to trade those guys for paul de young but i'm willing to give up those guys for two months of jordan hicks in a heartbeat even though they could be good players i think that there's an element of two guys being held too much i think that might be what happened here i don't know because we don't know what they got asked for but it wasn't good no um i think especially when the system doesn't doesn't look particularly chock full of future stars because i think the blue jays like before the call-ups of of vlad and Bo, you know with those two at the top of the system obviously made the system look very strong but i think there was a sense that there would be other players like at the time it was nate pearson as a starter 
but there would be other other homegrown type players to come in and fill in to make this roster into a potential championship team. I don't think that's where this this team is at, at right now, right? Like, I think this year, depending on how the offseason goes, this year might be the last year that they are in a really good spot to make the playoffs. So certainly now is the time to go pay two prospects for Jordan Hicks to make sure that that bullpen doesn't fall, you know, collapse in on itself uh, because it is the thing you're relying on at the moment to get to the playoffs. Yeah. Uh, Question number two uh, from Colleen Evans. I am confused. (laughs) Join the club, Colleen. Does it make sense to you that the the Jays DFA'd Laplo without a right-handed bat coming in to replace him. We did we did touch on that. Well, obviously, they just don't trust Loplo. They think he sucks. And he might suck, but again, why was he there in the first place? Technically, the bat is Ernie Clement right now. <laughs> but uh, it'll be DeYoung. They obviously feel that Espinal is a better hitter against a lefty than DeYoung is. That's how they used him in that, in that Angel series and in uh, and yeah, just Angel series. Mean, not DeYoung. Yeah, that is what I meant. Yeah, they, they think Espinal's better hitter against lefties than Luplo, so they don't they don't use him. And if they're not going to use him, he shouldn't be on the roster. So I'm okay with it, to be honest. Indeed. Uh, that is all the questions we got from you guys this week. Uh, but we do always appreciate them. So we, we have no special features. It's it's not been enough days to find some wacky no. wacky stuff on the internet. So uh, do you have any anything you'd like to tag on the end here as a final thought, Josh? Yeah, at least we're not the Mets. Holy crap. <laughs> <laughs> they traded away Scherzer and Verlander. Verlander really just signed in the offseason to a two-year deal with a player option, so really a three-year deal. And then Scherzer gave an interview today where he was told that they're not even going to push back in next year. They're not going to take the savings from these two guys and try to sign Arenola or Julio Rios or whatever. They're just going to move to 2025. And I don't get it. It's just so, so ah, the Mets. (laughs) (laughs) Orson Welles voice. Um, Yeah, at least we're not the Mets fans as well, who are are possibly the the most uh, chain-yanked fan base in in the history of baseball. (laughs) It's going to be great. No, it's not. It's going to be great. No, it's not. It's going to, oh, God. How many more years of this? I'm not sure. Um. Yeah, I I guess I would go back as a final thought to the fact that it was an underwhelming trade deadline. Like often at the deadline, the the complaint of we didn't get anybody is then piggybacked on and look who the Yankees got or look who, you know, Baltimore traded for or look who whoever's leading one of the other divisions got to bolster their rust. There there was other than Verlander who, how old is Verlander? Uh, 39. 40, 39? I mean, I'm not saying his arm is about to fall off, but I, he, he, he's certainly a risk, a bigger risk. He's 40, yeah. He's 40. He's a bigger risk that way than, than someone 10 years younger than him. Um, other than a name like Verlander and, and Scherzer, uh, who, again, has been hurt on and off this, this last year, he, I, I just feel like not a lot of teams were able to make that that big roster roster reimagination in a way that that affects the Jays negatively. So 
I don't know that the Jays fell that far behind, but I don't think they changed the shape of their team enough to make me any happier about where they're at. So pitching and defense go. Rah. Which is yeah. to say. Oh, go ahead. <laughs> no, I just I just want to agree with that. Like you know, it wasn't like a lot moved. Um, you know, they, it's not like the Jays missed out on a bunch of great hitters who went elsewhere. So uh, it's not you know, Tommy Pham, Jake Berger, whatever, Mark Hanna. But you know, it, it's the Jays are still in a good shape. They're still a good team. Yeah. And maybe someday they'll beat some teams in the AL East, and uh, I personally will feel better about that. Which is to say that uh, you have been Joshua Housem at Joshua Housem, and I have been Greg Wisniewski at Coolhead2010 on X. Uh, And this has been Artificial Turf Wars, episode number 277, and we will talk at you next week.